That was beautiful. It has been a while. Maybe a little too long, but it was great to have her to be willing to, to do that and to worship with us. Again, it is great to have each and every one of you here uh, you know, today, this morning. So this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, half of a truth. So whenever we think about half of a truth, I don't know about you, but I, I like coffee. Do y'all like coffee? A good, nice, good cup of coffee in the morning? Well, I have half a cup of coffee for you here if you would like it. Half a cup. A little cold. Half a cup. Oh, man. I have a half bottle of water. Now this one here, you'll like this one here. I have a half can of Dr. Pepper. Half a can. I have half of a dollar. I even have a man that's half awake. Oh, half of a truth or half of the promise. See, God has promised to us something, right? You know, Jesus, whenever he was here on this earth, he promised that his father was going to send someone to us was going to send the Holy Spirit as the third part of the triune God. He was going to send Him to us. But there's too many of us living with half of the promise that God has given to us. Now I want you to see this and I want to help you with this. Because whenever we look at this, we go to Judges chapter 6. And whenever we get to Judges chapter 6, this is about Gideon. Now, whenever you're there in chapter 6, you can find out that in chapter 1, that the Israelites had came in and they had began to move through the promised land of Canaan that God had promised to them. And they get there and then all of a sudden in the flatlands, they see all of these armies with these metal chariots and they begin to doubt that God is capable of defeating the metal chariots that's there. So what do they do? Pastor John's paraphrase for you. They kind of relax and they get comfortable with what they have accomplished and taken over the territories that they had accomplished. And they just began to live amongst the people that was there. Now was that the promise that God had given to them? Right? God promised that he would give them the land. And that he would drive out all of their enemies. Right? All of them. Not some of them, not just the ones that were that the battles were easy for them to win in the hill countries and the mountain areas where they were able to fight them on foot. 
God promised this to them before they even got there. Don't you think that God knew about the chariots? And that whenever he promised that he was going to you know, move out all of the people, that he knew that some of those people had better weaponry than the Israelites did? See, what the Israelites and what we do, we see this because the first time they came to the promised land, they sent the spies over, right? This is the land flowing with milk and honey that God has promised to them. And they said, man, those are giants over there. We can't take that. Twelve spies, two of them said, let's trust God. And let's take the land that he says that we are supposed to possess. The other ones say, no, we can't do it. That generation wanders around in the desert until all of them have passed away. And they now move into. So they've moved into there. Right? They've moved in. But they've only taken... Part of the promise. Because they didn't trust that God would help them with the rest of the battles. And you find by the time we get to chapter 6. This is the fourth time that God has given them a judge to get them out from underneath the tyranny or the rule of another nation. I want us to see this. Because whenever we're looking into this, we have to picture and we have to see where the Israelites are and where Gideon is. They're in the promised land. But what are they doing? They're hiding. Right? The the Midianites come in and take over and you know destroy or eat caves and they're now living in caves where is Gideon Gideon is in a wine press threshing his wheat and he's in the wine press threshing his wheat because he's afraid that the marauders will see that he has harvested his wheat and they will come in and take The harvest. We also find that whenever the angel of the Lord shows up and talks to Gideon, Gideon has to ask for something to be seen. So that he would be able to know that this really is the angel of the Lord. Right? He goes back. He prepares the meal. He brings it to him. He sets it on the rock. And the angel touches the stone. And flames come up from the stone. And devours or consumes the meal that was placed there. The offering. The sacrifice. And then he has to go back 
This is where Gideon asked for the sign. The first time he asked, God, if this is really what you want me to do, I won't do to be on the mat, but the ground to be dry. He wakes up the next morning. The mat not only has dew on it, but it's soaking wet. And he wrings water out of it. And he says, God, I'm sorry, but I need to ask this again. I need to ask another sign, and I want you to do the opposite. I want the ground to be covered in dew and the mat to be dry. And God did it. And then Gideon does what God wants him to do. And what does God want him to do? He wants him to take the ox from his dad's field, go and tear down Baal's altar, and, and cut down the Asherah pole. He wants him to use the wood from the Asherah pole to burn the bull of his, his, his dad's bull. I might be a little afraid of this too, but his dad's bull... How many of you have messed up your dad's stuff and you really didn't want to tell him? Oh, yeah. God's telling him, he says, take your dad's bull and sacrifice it. Gideon does it, but he does it at night. Why does he do it at night? Because he's afraid of what the people are going to say or do to him. The first thing that we need to see if we are living with half of the promise that God has given to us, then we are living a life of fear because we are not strong enough to stand firm on the foundation that God has for us. If we are not living with the whole promise that God has given to us, we will find ourselves hiding before our enemies. Wow. The Israelites sinned against God, didn't take over the whole promised land, didn't drive out all of the people. They lived in half of the promise. And because they were living with half of the promise, their lives were constantly being bombarded by their enemies. But not only was it that, but they were so weak. You get it? They were so weak that they continued to follow after other gods. You might be saying, well, pastor, that's pretty good, right? All that stuff kind of makes sense to us, right? Man, there was a message that I heard at our indoor camp meeting. Some of you were there. It was Sunday night. And it was about the promise that God had given to us. What's God's promise that he gave to us? What's the promise that he gave to us? That he would send us an advocate. That he would send us someone else that would come. Right? He said he would send the Holy Spirit. There, there's some of us today that are living with half of the truth. 
Now you're like, wait a minute, Pastor, I can't live with half of the Holy Spirit. There's absolutely no way that you can get part of the Holy Spirit. But there is a way that you can live your life with only allowing half of the Holy Spirit to influence your life. We are the only person or the only thing that can limit the work of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit and stop it from working within the church or within our lives. But I want you to see something here. In Mark chapter 1, verses 19 through 11, we, have, we find this. It says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. So you know where I'm at? Jesus is being baptized, so he's in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split apart, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Wow. I think the congregation is half asleep. Maybe you don't realize that God had been silent for over 400 years. And then all of a sudden, the heavens split open and they hear his voice. And what does his voice say? This is my son, who I am very well pleased. Jesus had not preached a, a message one. Jesus had not committed or had not performed miracle one. But yet his father, God, is going to break all silence from heaven and speak. And his words are, he's my son. And I'm pleased in him. Why was he pleased in him? Because he was obedient to the father. And he did what the father had asked him to do and had called him and put him on this earth to do. Right? So that's exciting right there, just in itself. But it says that the Spirit came down and settled upon him. Other translations would use it and say that the Spirit came in and dwelled within Jesus. I want you to get a hold of this. Every single thing that Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit not through his deity. We need to understand this because if he, was, if he did all of his miracles in the walking on the water and the calming of the sea through his deity, then you and I couldn't do it. But he tells us that you will do the same things that I have done, but you will even do greater things. The only way that we can do that is through the Holy Spirit. Wow. 
So everything that Jesus ever accomplished here on this earth was because the Holy Spirit was living within him. And that same Holy Spirit that was living in him is now living in me. There should be a lot more shouting than just simply that. Because whenever we look at this and we have to think about this, I want you to see this. We have the same power that Jesus has. The Spirit led him out into the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted by Satan. And he he did not fall into the temptation. So whenever Satan is tempting you, if you're living the half promise... As in, well, God might be able to, you know, the Holy Spirit might be able to help me with this one. He might not. Can I tell you that you're going you're to falter? I, I tried to get a half-blown-up a half balloon. I couldn't find any balloons. But if you can imagine a half-blown-up basketball. And how it operates. It's supposed to bounce, right? Half blown up, it's not. But the problem with it is, is that we can also compress it, right? Whew, I want you to see this. Right? We can compress it. Mm. If we have the whole power of the Holy Spirit, the world can't come in and press in on us. Right? He can't. Because we're full of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Oh, come on, guys. I, you know, I, I'm really excited about this. I, you know, because whenever you think about this, okay, it says that, you know, that the earth is his footstool. Right? There's absolutely nothing on this earth that is above Jesus Christ are above the Holy Spirit, right? There's absolutely nothing. So that means that there's absolutely nothing that is above you as a child of God. Wait a minute. Come on. We have to receive the truth. We have to receive the whole promise. The Israelites received half the promise. And they lived their lives... Shrinking back, hiding from their enemies. Instead of standing on the promise of God and standing above their enemies. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What are the things? Why did Jesus, why, why did God give us the Holy Spirit? There's things that we get from the Holy Spirit, right? We all know that, that you know, the first thing there okay, that we have in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. We are not powerless people. Uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit living within us, we have power. 
We have power over Satan and over sin. We have power over the things of this world. We don't have to live hiding anymore. We don't have to live ashamed of who we are anymore. We have the power. The Holy Spirit also gives us authority, right? I want us to look at this because, see, you know, Jesus told the disciples that there are things that you, whatever you loose here on this earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. That is giving us as believers through the Holy Spirit to declare what is sin and what is not sin. Right? But don't, don't ever think that that gives us the authority to change the word of God. If God's word says it's sin, regardless if man says it's not sin, it's still sin. We do not have the authority to change God's word. But we have the authority of the Holy Spirit living within us. We need to speak the truth and speak it boldly. We need to quit hiding back. I'm convinced that there's too many of us. And even myself, for too long, I lived with half of the promise. I didn't understand all that the Holy Spirit had for me. Holy Spirit is an advocate for us, right? An advocate is someone that speaks on our behalf. He talks to God constantly. He is constantly interceding for you and I. John chapter 14 verse 26. It says, but when the father sends the advocate as a representative, that is the Holy Spirit. Get this. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So here in this passage of Scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit is an advocate, but the Holy Spirit is also the teacher. The Holy Spirit teaches us, but the Holy Spirit teaches us what Jesus Christ had already taught the disciples, and He only says what Jesus tells Him to say. The Holy Spirit only speaks of the truth because He hears it from the truth as in Jesus Christ. So we have the truth being spoken to us and being taught to us so that we can teach it to the world. Mm. But there's problems. There's problems. How many times do we hear the Holy Spirit tell us the truth, but we not do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do? Right? Oh, man. Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's supposed to comfort us. He's our guide. He guides our path. I believe one of the things that we allow the Holy Spirit to do more than any other thing that we allow the Holy Spirit to do in our lives 
is to comfort us. How many of you have a problem with the Holy Spirit comforting you today? See? We all ask Him for comfort. In the times of our troubles, we ask for comfort. We don't always ask for Him to teach us because He might teach us something that we don't want to know. And if He teaches us something that we don't want to know and we don't do it, then that means that we're sinning against God. Wednesday night, we kind of talked about this. We talked about this several times. So I want you to kind of see this and understand this. Okay? We cannot plead ignorance. If you're going down the street and the speed limit's 35 and you're doing 45 and the cop pulls you over and you say, well, officer, I didn't know what the speed limit was. Is he going to say, oh, well, that's okay. It's 35. Next time, just simply do 35. Or is he going to give you a ticket? Going to give you a ticket. Well, we, can't, we can't just simply just throw our arms up or shrug our shoulders and say, well, Holy Spirit never told me that. Uh, yeah, he did. We just don't want to hear it. Because it doesn't match with what I want. We, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. It leads us. To live in a life that is shrunken back, that's hidden. It, it leads us to live in a life like we find in the Israelites here in Judges chapter 6, where they really didn't even have food. They were pushed into starvation because they didn't have all the truth. They wouldn't allow all the truth. To work into their hearts and their lives. So we have power from the Holy Spirit. We have authority from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our guide. He's our teacher. Right? He's our help. And all these struggles that we have. We only want to pick and choose on what he gives to us. We want to pick and choose on what advice that he gives to us. We want to pick and choose on what the truth is that he keeps trying to tell us and preach to us and teach to us. We don't really believe that the Holy Spirit that Jesus lived with and that lived in him and that gave him the power to do everything that he did here on this earth, we don't trust that that's the same power that we have. Right? See, if, if you remember in the scripture, in the Acts, Acts says that Peter and John came to the temple and there was a guy that was there at the temple, and he was asking for, for money. And they say, we don't have money, but what we do have, we'll give to you. And the man was healed. Scripture even goes on further and, and says that 
Peter's shadow fell across one man and he was healed. By his shadow, not by being touched, by his shadow. Jesus Christ had the ruler come to him that his son was dying and he asked Jesus to to come and to heal his son. Jesus didn't go there, but his son was healed. Do we have the same authority? It's in us. Do we have the same power? How many of you want to walk on water like Jesus did? Ooh, I want to see that. We have that power. But we're not living in the full promise of what the Holy Spirit is here for. We hinder the Holy Spirit by our doubt that it is truly what it says it is. I can understand you not saying amen with that because that's close to an ouch or oh me, right? I tear up whenever I come to this understanding in this statement. It wasn't until about three months ago that I truly understood the power that God gives to us through the Holy Spirit. And all the things that He is supposed to do and that He can do for us, and through us. (laughs) See, Satan knows that my family is my weak spot. That if there's any way that he can get to me and and create struggles and stuff in my life, it's, it's through my family. I want you to know that he's attacked my family. But I also want you to know that I declare and I stand on the promise that Satan has no authority over my family, over my life, over my wife. He has no authority. He has given all of that authority to me through the Holy Spirit. I can bind back Satan in my life and in my family's life. I no longer have to walk in fear of what this world is going to say or do to anyone around me. Because of the power and because of the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that I had to fall on my knees. I had to lay flat on my stomach, face down, arms out, repenting for grieving the Holy Spirit all of those years in my life. Today, today I give you this message so that you can understand the promise of the Holy Spirit and what God truly has for you, has for us. 
We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be you know, bound by our enemies. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. But are we going to obey the truth that God presents before us? I ask that everyone would stand this morning. Are you willing to continue to live your life with half of the promise that God has given to you? As Chris and them come up and sing, I surrender all again. That's the question this morning. Are you going to surrender all and actually allow the Holy Spirit to do in your life what it is meant and supposed to be doing? Are you going to live in the power and authority that the Holy Spirit gives you over Satan and the things of this world? That's kind of straightforward, right? The altar is open. If you no longer want to have a life of half the promises of God, the altar is open for you now. Sing all to Jesus. No to Jesus I surrender to heal my feet, I will ever love and trust you. Are those that have already made their way forward, or are there others? of you that are still there in the audience that's standing there that's saying pastor I, I, I hear your message and I want what you're saying but I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that commitment just yet if that's where you are raise your hand I won't come to you or I won't call you out I just want to pray for you Every head's bowed, every eye is closed. This is just in between you and I.
Father, we thank you so much for each one that has made their way here. And God, for the ones that raised their hands, dear Lord, in the, in the congregation, God, I pray that you would be with them. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your spirit, dear Lord, would come right now. And God, that you would fill them. And God, as they are here right now, God, that your power, that your strength, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit, dear Lord, that he would come in. And God, that they would receive every bit of him. And God, that they would surrender everything that they have. That they would, rescind, re, that they would surrender all of their life to all of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. bow our heads for the benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day. God, we thank you for the words that you have given to us. I pray, God, that your face would shine down upon each one that is here and that your blessings from heaven will be poured out upon us this week and that you would bring us back to your house in the appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen.